cabinetry, house on fire, neighbor getting assaulted, plane crashing into the World Trade Center. Call 911. Call 911. Call 911. We're calling the same number for all these things. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Black And, a candid conversation about racism, white people, and ways to move forward. I'm Jonathan. And I'm April. We're brother and sister looking to discuss how race informs important issues, current events, and what white people looking to make a difference can do. John, what's going on? Policing is going on. Still, I want to talk about calling the police and why people shouldn't do it, at least until we've changed our system. I'd imagine. That sounds kind of scary for some folks. We promised people that with season four, with this new season, we are going to be a little bit more high level when it comes to what we're expecting in terms of our racial competency. And so explaining the defund the police movement was something we did previously, I'm sure, at some point mm-hmm. as it was happening but we're sort of past the election now, which was what that was the buildup for. And police are Joe is Joe Biden is president. Trump isn't anymore. And police are still killing black people. They're just slaughtering black people in the street. Uh, And um, I mean, we can get into the examples of that have just recently happened, but it just, it's just, there's, there's no, um, this is not sustainable. This is not a sustainable way to have law enforcement. And so um, that's what I want to talk about today. So, so I'm, well, I'm just going to ask a question right off the bat. How can you reasonably say, how does one reasonably say to be safer, have a better communities, we need less law enforcement? Yeah. So it's a, so I like to, a lot of times when folks um, bring up Defunding the police. This is also the case in the prison abolition movement, which folks are not even ready to talk about yet. I realized that very recently that, uh, the knee jerk response in these sort of, these sort of, um, large scale systemic movements is to look to the worst possible, scariest, mm. uh, example of what could happen. So defund the police. What will happen with murders? What will happen right. with murderers? What happens uh, when uh, someone comes into my house to murder me? That, that right, exactly. Uh, and, and the same with prisons, right? And we'll get it. We can get into that at some other uh, episode. But uh, it's worth noting here, abolish prisons. Abolish the prison industrial complex. Well, what will happen with serial killers? What will right. happen with those people that are, you know. The three people who are out there. Right, right. The cunning serial killers, which there are some of them, and they are housed in prisons. And But the prisons the aren't. The pr- right. The prisons aren't what are keeping you today safe from a serial killer. They are, just aren't. Uh, and so it is there are serial killers, there are violent murderers going back to defund the police in your on your block right now. There are domestic abusers in your on your block, in your apartment building. Police yeah. are not keeping you safe from them. Yeah. And so it is it is a to go to your question. Yes. Take a step back and look at the rest of the world we're the only country like ours with the amount of wealth in our that we have the amount of technology the amount of people we have so many people here um 
with a democratic system of government where we lock people in cages like this and have a system of law enforcement that that commands half of our budget. Like it is a it is a, uh, you know, L.A. is a good example. It's like the second largest police force right after the FBI because L.A. is a huge county. And it's a it, it's like 40 <laughs> percent. Don't quote me on these numbers, but it, it's some extreme amount of the city's whole budget. And so, yes, the amount of money that we spend way more than any other country on planet Earth isn't keeping you safe because we have way more violent crime than any other country like our country on planet Earth, any other comparable country. And so what the system that we have isn't working. So it is, yes, by definition, some change needs to happen. Adding police doesn't help. We've tried that. Adding police, in hmm. fact, increases crime in some in some places. Decreasing police and and the number of police and educating the population and putting that money towards social services and putting that money towards housing. Most crime, the overwhelming majority of crime, including those scary murders, are because of poverty. So that it's just not there that that cunning sort of serial killer that's like sitting around plotting to. That person exists, but it, that's not the the average murderer. But also, murderers are like a very small fraction of who's in our prisons. Most of the people that are locked up are there for nonviolent drug offenses, and even the violent offenses are because of poverty. So the next question is, you know, more personal. All right. Well, you're in this crisis situation where, you know, you feel that someone's a threat to you or whatever. You're in danger. Right. Who do I call then? Right. Yeah. So this is something that is a um, common sort of refrain and and to be very fair and to sort of respect this sort of intersectionality at play here. Um, it's common from women a lot of the time because of sexism and because of what men have done to our society that is such that has sort of created it. Uh, in, or, or molded it in such a way that is dangerous to women. And just uh, and simply so, how violent men are. Right. Most cops are men. Right. Uh, so it is it is uh, right. That, that is that is totally heard. Um, I'm black. So I don't call police because that's not an option for me. Uh, so you're asking me personally um, what would what happened? What would you do in a, a, a emergency situation? April, I cannot, I mean, you're the same, I think. I can't tell you, I'm trying to imagine an instance where I would openly invite police into my house, even in an emergency situation. I've had cops in L.A. knock on my door at 4 a.m. looking for someone, asking if they can come in, saying, we saw someone on your roof, literally, or of your apartment building. Can we come in to see if they're on your balcony? Fuck no. Get the hell out of here. I don't know what you might think you want to see or smell i don't know what you might plant there i don't know what you you that i have no good reason to let you into my apartment that's me personally you know i everyone's experience is different so some right. people will find themselves in a very serious in very serious danger or what a very real situation and if you're white you don't really have a reason to fear police the same as black folks do so why not call? Why am I not calling the police to help myself? Come help me. Right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So let's take a break. I need to get a glass of water because my throat is hoarse. Let me let me answer that. We'll come back.
All right, we're back. So, John, before the break, I I asked you, um, you know, talk about these very serious and dangerous situations that people can find themselves in, um, particularly right. folks, white folks who do not have the same reasons to fear police as black folks do. Why? How are we telling them to not call the police when they're in danger? And what right. what's the other option? Right. So the first the first answer, the most obvious answer is for if you're white and an anti-racist, look what police do. Look what the policing, the institution of policing in the United States uh, is meant to do. Policing began out of patrols for escaped, runaway, um, enslaved Africans, folks who would band together and say, why don't we pool our resources here and, um, you know, when we find an escaped slave, we will, we will have it returned to its proper owner. And when you find mine, you return it to me and we'll all sort of work together. Mm-hmm. Um, and then at some point the government gets involved, right? And then it's government policing. Uh, and so it is anti-racists should remember that, that that mandate hasn't changed. Um, mm-hmm. Look at the most, the percentage of people that are in prison um, in terms of race. It's disproportionately black and brown. Um, Go read The New Jim Crow by Michelle Alexander and you will learn about the um, the racist war on drugs. Uh, 20 year later after the civil rights movement, the modern civil rights movement, correction to, to black people being given right. It was a way to round up mostly black men and boys and, and put us in cages. And so that's how they make money. It's how the government gives them grants and military weapon and aid. And, and so that's the first sort of part of answering that question um, to a white listener of this podcast who wants to be an anti-racist. The second would be to the more practical thing would be to think back to the times you have called the police. Hmm. There might be out of our, you know, subscribers, there might be one of one or two of you that where calling police officers to you saved you and kept you safe in some way. Um, but statistically, it's not true that, now, you know, something like 90, some 90 percent. It's it's police are not saving. They're not showing up in the nick of time to save you from something happening. Uh, they they're responding are, to a crime. That's already taken yeah, place. Yeah, they are. Yeah, they're there to collect evidence for it to be prosecuted. Uh, police work closely with district attorneys. They are colleagues. They are routine witnesses for district attorneys because they have to come in to prove the case for them. Um, yes, we arrested this person for this and this and thing, Your Honor. Um, police are there to make a prosecutor's job easier. Bag evidence, maintain the scene of this is of violent crimes. Uh, uh, bag uh, drug evidence, right? Uh, that mm-hmm. is not flushed down the toilet. This is after the drug selling and use has happened, right? right? Uh, so this is, uh, I think, a violent crime. Like yeah. most violence, the overwhelming majority of violence is by folks who know each other, who know or at least are familiar with one another in the same neighborhood. They look the same. They usually make around the same amount of money. Uh, this, this, uh, idea of a mugger stopping, uh, you know, someone in their Rolls Royce with at gunpoint to steal their Rolls Royce and drive it away, uh, from this nice neighborhood into the, 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 the thieves neighborhood. That just doesn't really happen. And so, um, that's what people have in their mind though, in terms of being protected from police. And so 
sticking with a violent example, a stabbing, right? Like uh, the random stabbing on the street that does happen. Police can't help us. Yeah. They can't stop us from getting attacked. So that wealthy, uh, even well-meaning liberal white person who is, who has in their mind because they've watched a lot of law and order that police kick in the door right at the time when a crime is being committed, um, is, that, that is just, that's not accurate. Um, and so, um, it is really truly a, um, it's asking people to be selfless, but not really because mm-hmm. you're not actually putting yourself aside because the police aren't actually helping you. Yeah. And so it's the, that yeah. like, you know, it's, it, it's worth noting though, um, because, you know, if you're having a, a reasonable conversation with someone, I, a white person, I can understand that yeah. that feels like you're asking me to put myself at risk here for the greater good. I can understand that, but like, you know, <laughs> it's that, like low-key yeah, but go on. And, 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 you know, what you're saying is kind of in that since that's how policing yeah. is viewed, it's, right. it's understood why you would feel that way. But in reality, that's just not how life happens. It's a perfect real world example of our sort of slogan, our anti-racism motto you, to white people. You know, you will, you're being an effective anti-racist when you experience what feels like discomfort. We always say what feels like discomfort or inconvenience mm-hmm. or fear mm-hmm. because it's not actually taking much of a risk or oppression. Or, or oppression. Exactly. It'll feel like oppression. People say that all the time. You know, it's a hard sell to, to convince people, vulnerable people to risk their physical safety. Um, or at least, at least to do something that they perceive as risking their physical safety, right? Because it, it, it is not risking your safety to not call police. It is, it just isn't because police don't keep you safe. Think of the times you called police, right? Think of that. Have they did they save you from something when you called them or did they respond after the crime had already happened? Really think about that. Um, in an emergency situation, um, even of uh, an emergency situation where someone is hurt, a stabbing, a random stabbing, when you're out in public, you see someone, call the police right away, right? What would they do? What would they, would they, by the time they got there, the person that did the stabbing, of course, wouldn't be there, Um EMS might get there, but in the meantime, cops might have been kneeling on the back of someone that they thought was the killer, waiting for EMS to arrive, right? Uh, mm-hmm. And so that's what when 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 EMS got to Derek Chauvin, they said, "Hey, you need to let him up." You know, that's the people who saved the day, but they were too late. You know, that's the people mm-hmm. who saved the day. So you call, put program. The ambulance into your phone program, uh, the non-emergency sort of public services line. There are for medical incidents, there are psychological trauma Mm. uh, sort of counseling centers that that are 24 hours, especially in large cities. Put that into your phone instead of 911. Right. Like and this is John, I think it's important to, to say and this sounds so like simple, but folks, that takes taking time on your Saturday or Sunday to sit down at your MacBook Pro, look up these programs, get their phone numbers, put them into your phone, and save them. 
and then use them. Right. All of those steps are so annoying. I get it. I hate doing that kind of shit. But but do that. Take the hour. Let's call it an hour on a Saturday, your day (laughs) off, and do that. You remember to call 911 automatically because you trained yourself to do that. Because police are the catch-all for anything you need. Any emergency, they say, call 911. Any emergency. Cat in a tree, call 911. House on fire, call 911. Neighbor getting assaulted, call 911. Plane crashing into the World Trade Center, call 911. These are the same, we're calling the same number for all these things. What this comes down to is, yes, we are asking you to feel uncomfortable. We're asking you to feel as uncomfortable, a fraction as uncomfortable as black people feel around cops. All right, let's take another break. And when we come back, we'll share some of our more personal encounters with police with y'all. All right, welcome back, folks. Jonathan, let's give some, you know what? Tell me about the last time you interacted with the police or chose not to i mean recently i was driving back from the dog park one morning and busy philadelphia intersection um i saw there was sort of a ruckus up ahead of me a couple of cars the traffic was stopped and folks just laying on their horns laying on their horns and i sort of saw that there was a person in the middle of the street um and very quickly could tell that he was not well um and so he was a black man tall guy um but just screaming, spitting, yelling uh, at cars right in the middle of the lane, just sort of trying to make people go around him very much just sort of, you know, um, and then sort of going over to people. This is Philly, so it's touristy, going over to people on the sidewalk and sort of, you know, scaring them and sort of just sort of like screaming at them and sort of, you know, but <clears throat> I don't know if this is street smarts or I don't know what, like call this what you want, common sense. I'm just noticing that this guy's not doing anything. He's just scaring people. He's just being scary. Um, he hasn't touched anyone. He's not, you know, and it's, I've noticed, yeah, he's effectively scaring people. He probably likes it, right? Like He didn't uh, have a weapon. He wasn't that. like throwing around a knife or a gun. Right. Yeah. No, no weapon that I could see. No, you know, uh, but, but scary, a scary situation. Um, Cause people don't just go up to strangers and start screaming. Yeah. So I just, I, um, I did something. This is sort of extreme. This is an extreme example, I guess. Um, of of a way to not call police but yeah i mean there's a uh i just sort of rammed my car into park and in the middle of the intersection and blocked traffic and got out of my car and went up to the guy and started talking to him and he's screaming at me and yelling at me and i just kept saying you gotta stop but someone's gonna hurt you someone's gonna you know and you someone's gonna call they're gonna call the police on you and you know what will happen when the police get here they will kill you i said to him and he immediately stopped and just sort of looked at me and I said, the police will kill you when they get here. And he was still very upset, you could tell, but sort of begrudgingly sort of moved over to the side of the road and cars started to go. Um, and, you know, I, I sort of skipped part of the story. As, as I'm going up to this guy, I see two white men. One of them's getting their phone out to call the cops. And I specifically instruct him to say, do not call police. I will handle this. Um, and I think he probably still did anyway. Um, but it is, yeah. So I connected this guy in the street with a hotline, uh, and, and waited there until someone 
came and got him. Like, it's not a, uh, this is a, now, so, had, I just called cops, right? Had cops just rolled up in Philly, um, this guy would have been tackled probably, um, you know, to the ground, knocked unconscious, maybe beaten. Um, he was violent, belligerent. Uh, he was right. So not hurting people, but police would have said he's violent, right? Um, screaming, flailing. Um, he would have, he might have died that day, right? Like he might have, police might have killed him mm-hmm. that day. Uh, and so it is not, I'm not saying this to like, this is sort of an extreme example. This is, I'm getting out of my car, right? And I'm sort of like, and I could do that because I'm a big dude. So like, this is a privilege, quote unquote, that I have. And so I get that. Do your version of that. Do you, mm-hmm. I'm doing that because I can do it. I can put my car in park in the middle of the street knowing that I have two big ass dogs in my car that no one's going to touch my car. No one's going to mess with me. I can do that. I'm asking you, you to do your version of that is mm-hmm. what basically what I'm, yeah. what we're saying. So this is a, yeah. What about you? For me, the last instance is very different from yours um, that, I'm, that I'm thinking about it. Uh, but it was over the summer. I live in, in North Philadelphia. My neighborhood is mostly black. And in the summertime, a lot of folks were outside, very communal, very, um, you know, everyone knows each other. Everyone's sort of very stoop culture. Um, you just sort of chill because it's hot and no one has air conditioning. My neighborhood, traditionally in the summer, pretty much every night, the cops come through and surveil the people. Um, sometimes it's just, you know, one car slowly crawling through um, and then they pass and then that's it. Other times it's, you know, big vans who stop in the street and, you know, sometimes they just talk to people. Sometimes they get out. Sometimes they walk around. Um, so it, it varies. But we are constantly being watched by the police. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, one of these evenings, there's uh, instead of a car coming through, a, a police car stops right in front of my house and the, the police officer gets out and he just stands on the corner. He's not talking to anyone. He's not doing anything. He's just standing on the corner by himself and there's no one else in his car. Uh, and so, you know, maybe half an hour goes by. I decide to go outside and speak with him. And again, Jonathan, you mentioned doing what you can do because of who you are and the privilege you're right. sort of allotted in life. This is what I can do. Yeah. As one of the lightest skinned people on my block. Right, um, right. In one of the nicer houses on my block. So police, while they're going to look at me differently from how they'd look at a white woman, they're also going to look at me differently in a way that's mm. favorable to me compared mm. to how they're going to look at the black man on my street or the, um, you know, or the women with, with darker skin. So I went out and, and, and talked to the police officer and just asked him, why are you here? Hello, why are you here? And his response was sort of as I expected. I'm just, you know, hanging out here to, you know, watch. And I said, well, we would really appreciate it if you left um, and, you know, took your weapons with you. Uh, and he sort of chuckled um, and, and asked me, you know, something to the effect of why wouldn't you, you know, want police in your neighborhood? Um, <laughs> right. And I said, because of you know what's wrapped around your belt the violence the inherent violence that you were also bringing with you into my neighborhood when no crimes were being committed right um, right and he he again sort of uh laughed it off you could see he was a little uncomfortable i think surprised um right no one probably had ever said this to him that i was asking him these things and then he said you know something to the effect of okay well um i'm just gonna be here um and, and that was it so and then i you know walked away walked inside 
And it's just, you know, nothing happened. I didn't save the day. I didn't stop anything. I didn't help anyone. But it's just, you know, doing anything that disrupts the system. Right. Probably maybe for the first time. That was, I guarantee been that's asked the first time. And, you know, uh, yeah, approached in that way. And maybe he, he thinks about that next time he stops in the middle of someone's street and gets out and watches their house. Maybe he doesn't. Maybe he goes on and, you know, right, and right. nothing about him changes. He ne- he doesn't even recall the situation. He doesn't affect his life in any way. Sure. But maybe it does. Using your whatever privilege you have to disrupt the system in any way is helpful. Guaranteed universal basic income is a part of this. Defunding the police is a part of this. Ab- abolishing prisons is a part of all of this. But until then, don't call the fucking police. Black Inn was produced by me, April Perkins. Our theme music is by Fifth Child. You can find more of their music at fifthchildmusic.com. That's the number five, fifthchildmusic.com. Black Inn is available wherever you listen to podcasts. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen. And be sure to share with your friends. Until next time, be humble, be vigilant, and and keep keep asking asking questions. questions.